Thank you very much for coming this morning and if you were here last week, a really big thank you because you're a glutton for punishment. I'd like to continue the reading that uh, Naomi started off uh, with this morning in 1 John chapter 4. It's on page 1209 in the Pew Bible. If you were here last week, as we continue to read through this passage, I was just wondering if um, there are any phrases in this reading that you remember from last week. And Naomi read down to uh, verse 11 and I'll just pick it up from there. Dear friends, since God so loved us, ought we not ought to love one another? No one has ever seen God but if we love one another God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit and and we have seen and testified that the Father sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear because fear has no sorry because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says I love God yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us a command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. There's some very interesting phrases in that uh, little passage there. I hope you picked up the one another bit that we talked about last week. But at the very end of that reading, there's another little phrase that we touched on last week that here the Apostle John isn't just repeating it, he's emphasising it to us. And it was the last bit, whoever loves God must love one another. Must. Interesting thought to keep in your mind. Last week we looked at this new commandment in John 13 to love one another as he has loved us. And and last week, um, and last week we also saw that there were three great love commandments: love God, love your neighbour, love one another. Three of them. Love God, that vertical relationship we often talk about. Love your neighbour was the horizontal one that we often mention as well. 
but love one another, right? That's the little motion that I want you to keep in your mind. Loving one another is what completes the love of God. We read about that in 1 John. It's these three loves, three types of love, three focuses of love that completes the love of God. That's why the Lord said, I give you a new commandment. We also looked last week that we must love. No option, no regal room. We talked about that. And we saw that the Lord said that we must love like he loved. That's the example that he left us. And we saw that his love was sacrificial because why? He gave all. It was unconditional because it included everyone, every single person, no exceptions. We saw that it was a committed love because the Lord Jesus, and we've touched on it a number of times even this morning in the various scripture readings, he was devoted to God and to us. We saw that Jesus Christ loved with a tender love when you look through the Gospels, you can see that stands out very clearly. And there's always a flip side, isn't there? He loved with a tough love at times too. I think of poor old Peter there on that, on that beach, you know. Peter, do you love me? You know, but once again, how important this love is. And then, I guess this is perhaps my favourite at the moment because this is relevant to me. I have to do this. It was a deliberate love. It wasn't on impulse. The Lord did not love on impulse or because of emotion. It was very deliberate. So, the little phrase this week we're going to look at is one another. That's it. It sounds very simple but that's what I'd like to look at because it unlocks the 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 meaning of love is I have loved you it unlocks it it's the key to understanding that you know when the Lord was here he often said you know do this and do that in other words imitate he said that I've left you an example follow it the apostle Paul said be ye imitators of of Christ of me as I am of Christ the exhortation to you and me, even today in Montmorency 2014, is to follow Christ's example. That's what it is. And so he says here, I'm going to give you a key that unlocks how to do this in this particular aspect of loving one another. And what does the key do? A key is a very interesting item, it's very small but it can get you into a lot of big places. A key doesn't necessarily allow, uh, makes you enter, but it unlocks the lock that prevents you from entering. For example, I don't know if you've got a door like this, but there's a door like this at the church hall. It has a lock and a handle. If the door is locked, it doesn't matter how hard you try that handle, it will not open. It won't. And if you have a key and you put it into the lock and you turn it, it unlocks the door, but it's still shut. You need 
to push the handle down to get in. So you can see that it's two different things, isn't it? A key unlocks, but it doesn't let you get in. And this is what this, this little phrase is, one another. It's, it unlocks how we're to, um, to love one another. It allows us to see how we're to do this. It, it allows us to enter into this little phrase that the Lord said, love as I have loved you. Because when you think about that, how do I love like the Lord Jesus? How do I love like the Son of God? How could I possibly do that? Not impossible. The Lord shows us how. And there's another characteristic about this love that's um, very, very important. Okay, that's not the slide I'm looking for. Okay, this love is reciprocal. That's a big word, isn't it? Reciprocal. I like that word. What does it mean? What goes around comes around. That's Aussie, eh? Reciprocal, that's English. Aussie is what goes around comes around. That's what loving one another is all about. You know, that's, that's vertical love, that's horizontal love. This love is a, a roundabout love. What goes around comes around. You're not getting any love because you're not giving any love. That's what it means. That's why it's very important. And you know, this is how the Lord Jesus Christ set it up. That's very important to notice too. As I go through the scriptures, I am constantly amazed at how God does things. He doesn't do it like we would do it. He certainly doesn't do it like I would do it. It says that in the scriptures, doesn't it? In Isaiah, it tells us that God does not operate like we do. But it's interesting how the Lord Jesus here sets up this, this little mechanism, if you want to call it something, to help us to love one another, to make it clear, to make it simple to understand. So, one another. It comes up 43 times in the New Testament in reference to you and I, believers, 43 times. Give or take a few because it depends on which Bible version you're reading. You know, if you have a really literal version, you're going to get a few more. If you have a paraphrased version, you'll get a few less. And on 26 times, there are, there are references that focuses us on how we're to love. And that's what that little sheet that you got when you came in, the, um, this is a big version of it because I, I can't read little, little printing. <laughs> There is here, this sheet that you got. 26 references on how we're to love. Don't worry, we're not going to go through them all today. The reason that, that I say that is because it's, it, it shows us where we're to love, what circumstances. It shows us when we're to love one another and it shows us how we're to love one another. It, it helps us to administer this love to work it out, to live out the commandment. So while the Lord might have given us a new commandment and it sounds like a pretty tough one to love like him, he gave us a mechanism by which he he says, if you do it like this, you'll be able to live this commandment out. One another. One another. Sometimes I, I, um, 
I call it the one another ministering when I try and explain this to people. It's not really right. It should be one another ministering because this is how we apply this love. This is how the, the disciples, the apostles explained it to us. What did one another mean? Do you remember from last week? One another means each and every one. It means every last one. It means one and all. And, and love is an important part of the Christian faith. It really, really is. You could spend years just on that subject, teaching and preaching and learning about it. Years. It's vital. Why? Because God is love. It explains him very well. But it takes a long time to get your head around what those three little words mean. The application of Christian love is a problem because throughout history the way we've applied this faith of ours has caused the church a lot of grief right back from the day of the Crusades and even today. The way we love one another has not glorified the church. It hasn't. It should have, but it hasn't. It's caused us problems. Even the denominations. When you talk to people, oh yeah, you talk about what yeah, you love one another, but you guys can't even get on with each other. Look at all the different groups, all the splinter groups. So you can see how important it is that we really get a handle on this love that the Lord talks about. And love is what identifies us with Christ. We looked at that last week. By loving like this, we show people we belong to Christ. By loving like this, we read in in, uh, 1 John 4 here that we're like God here on earth. I don't know about you, but that does not describe me very well. It doesn't describe this church. It doesn't describe the church universal either. We don't do a very good job at this. And that's a problem because this, it says, what did the Lord say? He says, by this all men will know that we belong to him. So can you see how vital it is that we really get a, get a handle on this? Now there's a lot of um, one another's to get through. And I knew, and I knew that I was not going to get through them all today. So, which ones do we look at this morning together? I spent a bit of time thinking about that, and really, it didn't help because there's so many good ones to look at. So, I had to consult a higher power, a higher authority. I asked Pauline, "Which ones do you?" Seriously, we did that, didn't we? We did that. We had to think about it. So these aren't, the ones we're going to look at this morning aren't the most important. They're not the best ones. Maybe they're they're very helpful, but they're just some that we picked because we thought they would be beneficial to just about everyone in this church. The first one is the one we, we read out this morning in 1 John. First John, love one another. And, and that, the, the love one another comes up in a lot of other places. It's on the little bit of paper that you have there. But the thing that I, I really appreciated about this uh, 
passage and this reference is that it actually tells us, doesn't it, that it completes the love of God. And unfortunately for, for God, I think, he, he, he uses us as part of that, that process because it says that in us it completes this love of God, that people see it through us because it's in us. So, so that's the first thing. The other thing that it's, why it's important is that love is a choice. Do you realise that? Love is a choice. And we read that too, didn't we? That God chose to love us. What was it about me that God said, oh, I've got to love Raph? What was it? You know, I get a lot of favourable comments about my moustache. People love my moustache. They don't say, hey, Raph, I love you. They just love the moustache. You know, God chose to love you and me. He made a conscious choice. It was deliberate. Have you got that? And the other thing that we read there, we also see that love is an action. We talked a bit about that last week. But you see, God just didn't say, I love you, I choose to love you. He did something about that. He gave, he gave, his son. he sent his son. And when we look at these, all of these uh, one another's, you will see that that's very, uh, very uh, characteristic of, the, of this love. It's a choice and it requires an action. You'll also notice that in that passage that it said that God is love. It's important that we notice this because it didn't say love is God. That's how the world works. Everything's love, 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 you know, and, and, I, and I do this and I love this and I love the other thing. Love is God is a 60s thing. Do you remember the 60s? Yeah. We got it wrong. We still got it wrong. We try, we try to, to make out that our love is God's love. It's not the same. There are similarities, but it's not the same. And then we see that it says here that God is seen through this type of love, the one another love. That's how God is seen. Now, who is God? God is the invisible God. I don't know if you can get your head around this because you have to sit and think about it. The invisible God is seen in us when we love one another. I'm not saying it, the Word of God says it. Right? If you stop and just take a moment to think about that, you think, you know, awesome. The word awesome only belongs to God. You can only attach it to God. Because when you think about that, why would God bother to do that? His mind was to do that with the nation of Israel. We looked at that last week as well. And his mind is still the same. He wants to be seen. His love. He wants his love to be seen through us. And we read in verse 17 there that we are to be like him on earth. So that's the first one. The invisible God is seen in our love one to another. Very important. The next one I'd like you to think about is the one in Romans uh, 
12 and 10. Now, when you go home, not right away because you want to have lunch first, but when you get time and you look through this list, please don't just read the little verse. Read around the verse because getting the context is very important too. But just for the reference, that's what I've given you there where the verse is found. But in Romans 12 and 10, uh, it, it says there in verse 9, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honour one another above yourselves. That's the context. When you read these, you say, yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see what God wants me to do. I don't know, but maybe I'm just thick, but I struggle to understand these things because this is what the word devoted means. Devoted to one another. It means to, to give up, to surrender something. That's what it means. It means to concentrate on. Like, for example, you know, you, you're devoted to a particular pursuit, like playing golf, or you're devoted to a career, a profession, an occupation, a cause, you know, save the dolphins or the penguins or whatever. You might even be devoted to a person, you know, a family member. And it means to appropriate, that means to, to set apart for a specific person. How well does that, do those three meanings fit the Lord Jesus Christ? Eh? How well? And he wants us to love like him. To be devoted. And, and devoted means a, a zealous uh, attachment, a dedication, a consecration to something. Be devoted to one another is what the Lord says. He was devoted to you and to me. And he's still devoted to us. Every day he helps us out. He encourages us. He gets us out of strife. And he says here, and it says here to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. So there we have the connection to, to one another as brothers and sisters. It's a family connection, you know. The idea is that we're, 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 we're a family. And we should not use this term lightly. God doesn't, doesn't take this lightly because, you know, when he says that you are a child of God, he makes you an heir, an heir of all that he has. And he wants you to rule with his son in the coming day. And so he does not take it lightly. He puts his mark upon us. He identifies himself with us. We're family and he expects he expects me and you to show the family traits. If I was to show you a picture of my dad and his brother, you would see the family traits in the Kirchy family. And if my brother was here, he even looks more like my uncle than my uncle. You know? I tell you. But seriously, we are expected to take on not the physical appearances, of course, the scripture says we are to take on, put on the characteristics of Jesus Christ. That's how seriously he takes it. So, I guess the best uh, picture of devotion that we have is in family. 
We sacrifice a lot for family, don't we? We do. I have. I know my parents have. We also make a lot of allowances in families, don't we? We don't always like. I had someone ask me, what's the difference between like and love? Do we have to like everyone or do we have to love everyone? You know? We don't often like every member of our family. They may do the wrong things, behave in the wrong way, use the wrong language, bury for the wrong team, but we love them. We'll do things for them that we wouldn't do for others. The old saying, blood's thicker than water. And you know, family, it's a long-time commitment. It's a lifetime commitment. You know, you can have a really, really good friend, a best friend, and they could do something or say something or maybe not do something and not say something and they're not your best friend anymore. I'm sure everyone in this room has a person like that who was your friend who aren't your friend anymore. Friends are not forever. Family is forever. I feel sorry for you because you have to put up with me for all of eternity. There's no, there's no bigger forever than, than that, is there? Can you see how God's thinking? Can you see why the Lord said this to us? Can you see why he commanded us to do this? To be devoted to one another? And then it says, honour one another above yourselves. Honour one another above yourselves. What does honour mean? It means to, to accord recognition and show appreciation. Not because the person is attractive you know, or, or they dress well or, or their status is, is high or they're a celebrity or drive a great car or they're wealthy. Not for that reason. We shouldn't honour people because they're useful to us. You know, I'll be Raf's friend because he'll do my bathroom cheaper. <laughs> I remember when I first came to Monty, you know, I was introduced to Sam. And uh, Sam then was Sam the Cheesecake Man. You know? <laughs> and uh, they, I was told, be nice to Sam, be friends with Sam, he can get you cheap cheesecakes. You know? <laughs> and, it's, and it's a bit sad when, when I think about it because... I live in Monty and I, I joined the Monty home group at the time and I was accused, I was accused of joining Monty's home group because it was run by Sam and he had the best suppers because he got cheesecake from the cheesecake shop. That's not true. That's not true. How can we honour? How do we honour? By valuing people. We have to value each other. How do we do that? There's a lot of different ways and a lot of these things you, you'll struggle to do and some of these things you'll think, how can I do this and how to... Some? And we all have to do these things taking on board our personality and our character and what we can and what we are good at and what we're not good at. But here's a few simple things that we could do to, to show that we honour one another. A willingness to listen while others are talking. It hurts me when I'm talking to someone and they say, oh, look, here goes the you. They're not listening to me. They don't think that I, what I have to say is of any value, of any importance. I'm sure it's happened to you too. Giving someone else a preference. Yeah, that movie they want to go and see is 
but we'll go anyway. Allowing them to disagree with us. You think about that. Do you like people that disagree with you? No. Not getting mad and vindictive towards them. Respecting their opinion, even if I don't agree with it. I've had to learn that. It did not come easy for me. It took me a long time to do that. Just some ways of doing it. The next one, encourage one another. That sounds simple. I can do that one. Until you discover what it means to encourage. To inspire with courage, spirit or confidence. To stimulate by assistance, approval. To promote, to advance, to foster. You know, it's more than just a slap on the back. Well done. Mind you, that's appreciated too because sometimes that's all we get. It's not easy being a Christian. It's not easy living as a Christian in the world. It never has been. Never. The Lord, when he was here, he said, hey, you know, it's going to be tough to be a Christian. It's going to be tough to follow me, to be a disciple. He didn't give us a, you know, a sales pitch and then there was no fine print. He was up front. And it has not changed. Not even in this blessed land of Australia with the freedoms that we have and the liberties that we have, it is still tough to be a Christian, to live it out. And the Lord asks, I would suggest that maybe he even commands that we inspire courage and confidence in each other. Where else are we going to get our encouragement from? Where else? From the world? Oh, you know, I'm having trouble with my wife and, uh, you know, she's not... Uh, oh, you know, things are a bit tough at home. You know, you're telling the guys at the footy club this. What's their encouragement? Hey, just leave her. Don't worry about it. Walk out. You know, you, you, you're encouraged... At work, you're thinking to yourself, if I do this, it's not really honest to do this. You know, it might, you know, it's, oh, you know, I'll I'll talk to my fellow worker. Don't worry, mate, everyone's doing it. It won't make any difference. You know, at work, you're encouraged to make the sale, to keep the numbers up. And as a Christian, that's difficult to, to be in that environment. When you look at that, that reference in, uh, in uh, Hebrews, the two references in Hebrews, it says that we're to do it daily. Now, that doesn't mean you, you, you ring up someone and encourage them every day. It means it should be a habitual thing, to be aware that you need encouragement. Do you know that I need you to encourage me? And you need me to encourage you. When was the last time that you people on this side of the hall encouraged anyone over there? Not having a go. I'm just stating the fact because I sit over there and you know I don't come often over there as often as I should. When I was preparing this, I was thinking about invoking the the Matthew twenty three three clause. Now you probably don't know what that is. But it's it's the verse that the Lord says You must obey what the Pharisees say. 
But don't do what they do because they don't practice what they preach. Because this, this, this is not what I do. This is what the, the Lord asks me to do. And it is hard. I acknowledged that last week. And it is challenging. Some of these things, some of us will do very easily. And other things we're going to struggle with. doesn't mean we don't do them. And you know, in Hebrews it tells us why we should encourage others because it's so easy to become the product of our environment because the, 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 the environment that we live in is a present and constant danger. We, we get sucked in to what's happening around about us. We do. Our attitudes, our thoughts, our value systems, everything is impacted by the environment that we're in. So where else does a Christian get his encouragement to keep living this, this difficult lifestyle that, that, that we've chosen to follow? Where else? And also tells us in, 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 um, in Hebrews there that it's to build us up. So it has a many faceted aspect to encourage and, and the Bible talks a lot more about it and then as you read chapter, of chapter 10, 25, it tells you a couple other things that, that sometimes the encouragement could be by the things that, that I don't do like not coming to church do you know do you know that you encourage me by coming to church, not just this week but when, when I see you at church I get encouraged by that the flip side is that when you don't I get discouraged. I'm sure I'm not the only one like that. I remember, I remember people in the old days, Garth, when there was the parchment and that, people used to give little notes, little cards, little thank yous for doing things. And It doesn't have to be anything grand. Today you could send an SMS, a text message. In Hebrews it tells us there that we should seek out the timid, you know, the people that are quiet, lonely disenfranchised. There are people like that in this church. The next one is, um, and this is just, like I said the other week, it's, it's just a thumbnail, you know. You could speak for ages on any one of these. The next one is in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. I haven't got time to read the, the whole thing, but it talks about, talks about being kind and compassionate to one another. Now that word kind in the King James it says tender hearted. And that means to be affectionate, indulgent, helpful and charitable to somebody. No, not to somebody. To everybody. It's be kind to one another. Everyone. It's easy. It's easy to be to be helpful and affectionate and charitable to your friends at church to even to the people you have home group with even to my brother over, over there who, who barracks for the same team as me we could get together and spend the whole time after church talking about the boys that's not the way it's meant to be though it's one another and compassionate forgot to put that up. And compassionate, this is what it means, a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow by the, towards the person who is stricken by, by misfortune. You know, 
Oh, you see these images on TV and your heart goes out to the starving, to those that are affected by disaster and you feel compassion for them. But that is not what compassion means because even though it looks like it's two meanings there, it's all one when you look it up in the dictionary. Compassion, it is a deep feeling of sympathy and sorrow, accompanied accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate suffering. Does that say Jesus Christ to you? Says it to me. This is how I'm supposed to be kind to you. This is how you're supposed to be kind to me. This is how we're supposed to be kind to one another. That's what it means. That's what it means when it's all put together. Love one another as I have loved you. Can you see why it's hard? Hmm. And the last one, only because of time, forgiving one. I have to get this one in. I'm going to go a little, a couple of minutes over, but I have to get this one in. All right. Love one another, uh, forgiving one another. It's very, very important. Colossians it talks about forgiving our grievances towards one another. Forgiveness. I think would have to be not public speaking is not the hardest thing. Forgiveness is the hardest thing. Is it not? It is. The hardest thing for us to do because, because it involves hurt. It involves a destruction of trust. Forgiveness is very hard to do. But forgiveness is very deliberate. You know, nobody can force you to forgive. Oh, you can say that, but I mean, really, I'm talking about sincerity here. Really forgive. Nobody can force you to do that. It has to be deliberate. It means, think about the Lord Jesus when he forgives us our sins. It's considered. It's, It's done on purpose. Forgiveness is done on purpose. It's intended, it's planned. You know, God planned to forgive us our sins through his son. It's predetermined, it's purposeful and most important, forgiveness is voluntary. Have you got that? It's voluntary. Nobody forced the Lord Jesus Christ to die on the cross. Nobody forced him to love me while I was his enemy, enemy as we read this morning in Romans. He voluntarily went to the cross. And this is what forgiveness means. It means to grant pardon. It means to give up all the claims that I have on the account of what that person might have done or did do. I have to give it up. It means to cease to feel resentment against that person. To cease to feel resentment, hard to do. Very, very hard. Many Christians find it difficult to forgive. Many Christians. It shouldn't be like that. You know, I have been and spoken to people that even when people, when other Christians die, they still can't forgive that person. You think about that. Forgive one another as I have forgiven you. 
So that's, that's just a thumbnail. There's a few others there that we could have looked at. We haven't got the time. So, love one another is demonstrated in one another love. That's how it's demonstrated. And look, really, we've just barely scratched. Didn't even get through the, the few that we thought we would get through this morning. I would encourage you, I would plead with you to look into the, that little list that you've got. If you haven't got one, get one as you go out and look for yourselves. Explore them. Let them challenge you to become what the Lord wants you to become. I want you to be motivated to put into practice whatever you might have learned. It's a lot to take in in one sitting. I I said this to you last week. I started looking at these things years and years and years ago. I'm still going through them. I've learnt a lot over the last few weeks when I reviewed some stuff that I I thought I knew. Put them into practice. They're no good to you in your head. Put them into practice. Love is a choice and an action. It's not theory. Realise, I want you to realise this, right? You, you are a channel of blessing. You bless me. I bless you. You bless each other, you know? Everybody in this room ought to be a blessing to one another. That's how the Lord set it up. It's not the pastor's responsibility. It's not just the elders' responsibility. It doesn't say that. It's one another. No exceptions. And be motivated. Have it in your, in your, in your mind, in your heart, a, a deliberate intention to demonstrate God's love to God, to your neighbour and most of all, to one another because what we read at the, the last line in 1 John chapter 4 it said there you must love one another it's imperative that's the only way we're going to have an influence in our society in our neighbourhood in our families it's the only way that we are going to glorify God that's how people will know that you are my disciples the love you have one for another. Thank you for listening and and the opportunity that you gave me to share this with you. Thank you.